Speaking at BYU Women's Conference less than a month after her husband was introduced as the new BYU men's basketball coach, Leanne Pope said, Being all in can be so hard, and it can hurt sometimes. It hurts when you give your whole heart to something and it doesn't go the way you thought. It hurts when you give your whole heart to something or someone and it ends. A mission, a career, a marriage, the life of a loved one. Being all in makes us vulnerable. It's a lot easier to hold back a little and not give everything and protect yourself from the pain. But when you look back on your life, the great moments will be the moments when you went all in. In that moment, I knew we had to have, or at least try to have, Leanne Pope on this podcast. She was gracious enough to agree, and as an added bonus, we were able to get her husband to join us. Mark Pope played professional basketball for nine years after being drafted into the NBA by the Indiana Pacers in 1996, following a national championship-winning season with the University of Kentucky. He completed two years of medical school at Columbia before returning to his passion on the basketball court. He was an assistant coach at Wake Forest University and comes to BYU from Utah Valley University, where he was head coach for four seasons. Leanne Pope was raised the daughter of a coach. She graduated from Brigham Young University and worked for ESPN before spending four years as David Letterman's personal assistant. Side by side, she and Mark have moved around as his professional basketball career and coaching career have progressed, and they are the parents of four daughters. This is All In, an LDS Living podcast where we ask the question, what does it really mean to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ? I'm Morgan Jones, and I am so grateful to have Mark and Leanne Pope with me today. Welcome. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for having us, Morgan. Well, I wanted to have the two of you on, and I'll tell you a little bit of the backstory on this. Sherry Dew wanted—she said, you know who you need to interview? Mark Pope. And then I went to women's conference and I heard Leanne speak and I was like, this woman is a powerhouse. We've got to get Mark and Leanne Pope on the show. And then I was reading, Mark, about your coming to BYU. And I read this quote from you. You said, my number one mentor, without a doubt, and there's no close second, is Leanne Pope, my wife. All of us get to walk this journey. She's the smartest person I know. She's the most beautiful person I know. And she's the funniest person I know. High praise. It's true. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just true. So, you know, it's interesting because is you, I mean, we've lived a little bit of a public life in terms of our responsibility, right? And so you have a lot of people that are chiming in all the time. But those of us that are really blessed, right? We have, you know, like Leanne is my confidant of all confidants. She's my advisor. She's actually my most honest and toughest For sure, critic, you're most honest. For right? Sure you're most and honest. Um, and that's a real blessing. And she's also, she is. She's the smartest person I know. And she's 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 almost always right. And she really is always right. But I, I try to say almost just so she doesn't get too big a head. 
<laughs> well, I feel like you two are like a power couple. So I'm so excited to have this conversation. And I think it's interesting because people probably are more familiar with Mark's journey to BYU. They know that you came from UVU. They know that you played in the NBA, but they may not know as much about you, Leanne, which I'm excited to introduce people to you. You grew up the daughter of a college basketball coach. How did that shape the person that you are and how has that helped you in being the wife of a basketball coach? Well, I think the way it shaped me, I mean, if you know my mom, my mom is feisty. And so I, I, I had a front seat of, of, I think all of my feistiness comes from my mom, who is the ultimate coach's wife. But Just most wife think, feisty by a thousand. <laughs> it's true. It's true. When I think about being a coach's, a coach's daughter, we moved a lot. So we were, we adapted you know, you, you, you moving and being the new kid over and over again. I mean, not just coaches' kids have to deal with that. I mean, military, there's lots of different professions where that affects your family. But um, I think about that. I think about how close our family was. You know, when you live a kind of a public life and your dad takes some hits. I mean, my brother's gotten fistfights at school, and we were, but we were a very close-knit family. We moved in high school. All three of us were in high school when we moved to Arizona and when my dad joined the Arizona State staff. And and I think about us just walking to school together. And I, and I really grew up with this feeling, as long as we're together, we're fine. And I think that translates really well, obviously, for obvious reasons. But it's different being the mom, right, in that, in that world with our four daughters. But, of course, there's so much I take from, from the way we grew up and the way my mom and dad chose to do it that we are doing living a similar road, sim, sim, walking a similar road with our Leanne girls. also knows the game. Like she knows the yes, game. I do. She knows the X and knows the game. She knows the rule <laughs> of the game. The first time we ever talked, she explained to me what a gray shirt was. I was a professional and she's, <laughs> she's telling me the technicalities of the game. And um, so she, she's familiar with every. I was every an only girl. So I had to just be able to speak at the dinner table. I had to know my stuff. Yeah. You had bit. to be able to hold your bit. own. Yeah. Yeah. That's understandable. <laughs> so I'm curious, your dad was the coach at the university of Utah. Yeah. Top. Were you a Ute fan? I was. So I how was, does this? Was, how does this translate? It was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> my loyalty follows the my dad and Mark. So I was a Ute, hardcore, bled red. And the minute we left there, I was an Arizona State fan, hundred percent. And when my dad joined that Cougar staff, I was a Cougar. Beautiful. So, yeah. so it's, it's my loyalty shifts with with the person. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, I think that's the way to do it. So, Mark, you played basketball for the University of Kentucky before you played professionally in the NBA and overseas as well in Turkey. Is that right? Yep, that's right. What was it like being a member of the church in those environments? And I'm curious, was it ever hard to maintain your standards? Yeah, it was was a blessing, probably. It helped me navigate through a lot of stuff, that a lot of pitfalls. And it was also fun. As athletes, we have so many things in common, and we can speak a, same, a very similar language. And, and in a lot of ways, that language kind of it can grow. It can kind of grow out into faith, right? Into the, the things we believe and the standards we hold true. And so, actually, I was married to Leanne for most of my NBA career, and so together we have uh, so many fond memories of our interaction with my teammates and their spouse or their girlfriend or their families, where our sometimes 
sometimes our life choices seemed way, way off the beaten path. But, but really, when you, you become so close that it becomes more of this intense curiosity than any type of like judgment or anything like that. So it was great. It was a blessing to kind of have these guiding principles. Leanne and I talk about it all the time is that uh, we really do. We feel like every blessing that we've received in our life has, has been because we have, have been able to do our best to, to live this gospel walk, right? And so it was unbelievable. Yeah. You, you mentioned this, it, having had this experience together. And I remembered one thing that you said at women's conference where you talked about being in Bible study mm-hmm. in the different place, in one of the places mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. lived. Mm-hmm. How, yeah. how does that life, like coming into that life as members of the church and trying to be a part of like a more Christian community, mm-hmm. how do you balance that? How do you figure that out? You know, just kind of piggybacking on what Mark said, you know, we— there's obvious reasons being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, our standards and our faith and, and how we choose to live. But I don't think Mark and I really look at people as members or non-members. I mean, our experience in the MBA, we really love—they were our friends, and we loved them, and we were different, and there was a mutual respect. And it wasn't this—the the separation was, I think, probably maybe less than maybe you'd think, because they—in they, a locker room, everything's exposed. They knew exactly who Mark was— that he was legit, that he was who he said he was. And there was a respect there that was really fun. And those women, those wives that I got to be with, we were on four different teams, were my girlfriends. They were friends. They weren't my non-member friends. Right. They weren't my—they were my friends. And they knew exactly what I was about. And they would—they knew if I taught a relief study lesson, and they would ask me about that thing I was preparing. They didn't maybe use all the right terminology, but who, who cares? Yeah, doesn't and, matter. And then when we got into coaching— so I think I think the idea of really bringing them into our lives, and we had I mean we have really fun stories about that. But when that Bible study, that, that great quote that she said, "If you don't hold down on the Lord, He won't hold down on you," it was really fun. And I learned how much common well, there's so much more common ground than there is is differences. And I would go to those Bible studies at the University of Georgia, and it was uplifting and wonderful. And you hear things that you believe in a different way because they say it a little different. Maybe maybe the person sharing the devotional is talking about faith or or sacrifice, repentance, and saying it in a little different way that it hits you different. Yeah. And I, I was so grateful for that. Some of my greatest, for sure, some of my greatest spiritual kind of lighthouses in my life don't share my faith, but we share a common belief in, in Jesus Christ and, and in His spiritual life. And one late one of my girlfriends in particular from North Carolina, she's kind of my go-to when I'm kind of bouncing things off, and I appreciate a little different perspective. But again, so much common ground more though than than the difference. Yeah, do you I, agree, Mark Pope? I do agree. <laughs> I, I do. just check. <laughs> I, I do think there's so much to be had when we kind of step outside, and I think in in other places it's a lot easier to do that than it is in Utah. And obviously, sure, sure. we have listeners everywhere, mm-hmm. but I think. Here in Utah, it can be kind of hard sometimes to step outside of your little mm-hmm. Latter-day Saint yeah. bubble. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I love the benefit that is to be had when we do that. Leanne, before you ever met Mark, yeah. you had some pretty unique experiences. You worked for ESPN, and you were a personal assistant for David Letterman, yeah. which people may recognize that name. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, but but sometimes I when I, like women's conference and I, there's times that I've had conversations with people and I'm a little bit further down the path and I'll have a whole conversation and they'll say so he's the guy with the with the 
Suspenders. Suspenders. I couldn't think. I'm like, no, that's Larry King. There's a lot of confusion who he is, but he has a great Netflix series right now that's I, my next guest needs on introduction. It's really great. It's unbelievable. Yeah. He's really great. I just I mean, watched he is the great, episode but. with Malala. Yes, yes. That one was his, really his good. His interview with Jay-Z is great. His interview with Tina Fey, Jerry Seinfeld. I just saw the one with Ellen this week. I mean, he's he's a genius. But yeah. it was a really fun time in my life. It really was. You know, I, I graduated from BYU in journalism, and I had that opportunity at ESPN that started off as an internship and then developed into a job opportunity. And then years ago, the Rosie O'Donnell show started and one of his assistants went to write for Rosie and a, and Heather Peterson, who I had gone to BYU with, we had spent a summer together in, in New York City interning together. She was on Dave's staff and she said, you should come down and interview. And I was actually really kind of torn up about it because I was at ESPN. I wanted to go into sports journalism. This was like it. And my dad's like, you know, you go for the opportunity. The interview itself will, will be an opportunity. And I went and walking to the Ed Sullivan Theater was electric for me. I just... It was it was such a, an exciting feeling, and luckily, a few weeks later, I was offered the job. Worked for him for close to four years until Mark and I met, and it was it was such a special time in my life. And I and I grew up. I mean, living in New York City on your own. I mean, I my feel like as a young person I, that made me. You know that 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 made me those experiences, making those choices. I got to work with Heather, who was that was my partner in crime, and we had. To share those experiences together were, were pretty awesome. And he was wonderful to work for. You know, I lost my dad during the time that I worked for him. And he was so gracious that in that competitive atmosphere that it seems like nobody slept or ate or drank or left the office, he gave me time to go be with my dad and was really gracious to my mom after after my dad passed. So I will forever be grateful for that time and and personally and then just how he treated treated me and my family. Yeah. It's wonderful. And fun. Totally. Mark, we'll get to you in just a second because I want to hear. I'm actually enjoying this. <laughs> I let's let's well, keep I going with this. <laughs> we don't need to reroute this conversation. One of our great at all. Fun memories when Mark are dating, he's a huge Harry Connick Jr. fan, or he was. Yes. And so, he was. so yeah, he was. Or, I mean, you're, I you're still are. I'm still, still saying, yeah, yes. I'll bring it a little later in the all podcast. Right. Yeah. A little later. <laughs> but there was Harry Connick was, was, he was rehearsing at the late show. And just for a second, I called, at least before cell phones, and I called and let Mark just hear him just sing and rehearse. It, it was awesome. un- Unbelievable. Awesome. I mean, the greatest there job were some in little the perks. world. And it was just for a minute. If anyone's listening, if that's illegal, it was just for a minute. <laughs> just is that so, illegal? I don't know. Oh. And you're like, know. and that's when she won me over, when she called me to <laughs> no, hear her. No, no, no. She won me over <laughs> way earlier than that. She won me over this first time I heard her voice. Okay. Okay. So pause. We yes. have to really quickly, when you spoke at Women's Conference, you yeah. talked a little bit about some of these experiences that you had working for yeah, David Letterman yeah, yeah. and how as a member of the church, that you and your friend Heather, both members of the church, which yeah. is so funny that two right, Latter-day Saint girls would be working for him, yeah. but how that experience, like the the way that the respect that he showed for mm-hmm. your beliefs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Are there any specific experiences that you can kind of share from yeah. that time in your life? Yeah. You know, it was Mormon number one or Mormon number two, depending on who he liked best that day. And we would take the ratings in in the morning and it was it was you are Mormon number one because we had great ratings. And if you didn't have great ratings, you were Mormon number two. <laughs> so it was very much a part of who we were. And and, and just, it, again, I think this idea of like, it was so much a part of who we were and it was a part of our everyday. There was no hiding who we were, that it was it was fun to share. Everything that we gave him, we gave him um, <laughs> bread for Christmas one year and it became Mormon bread. It was the Mormon bread was the best, best bread that that there was. It was, like I said, it was very much a part of who we are. And I'm trying to think of other, there's other. 
No, I'm sorry. Our, 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 our sound producer just gave Leanne the look for pounding was, on the table was, with passion. I was, you I can't was. do that. So, yeah. Yeah. And Mark was the Mormon boy. I mean, there were, there when were you lot, started there dating, and there were, yes, there were cooking yes. contests. Yes, Mark and or Heather and and Dave had some cooking uh, cookoffs, some meatloaf, and Mormon meatloaf was the great was a great part of of that. This is amazing. And, and you up. said you guys gave him his family history. Yes, we gave him for Christmas our first year. What do you get, David Letterman? Right, we're two college kids, and my mom, as she often does, had a great idea. And she said, you should get him his his genealogy. And so my mom's neighbor at the time was kind of a genealogist guru. And she worked with Dave's mom. And they, we, on Christmas Eve, right, well, the Friday before Christmas break, we presented him with two, like, beautiful leather binders that were his, was his genealogy. And he, when we went on break, we came back and he we didn't really, he didn't really say anything. And then he called us into his office one day and he was kind of like, he had these two binders and he was like, how many private investigators did you hire to find all this information? <laughs> and then, and then there was this moment where he was kind of like, what is this about? And it was kind of the first time that I realized, you know, we'd never had a conversation about our faith or what we were about. This was obviously early on when we were working for him. And it was kind of like, he kind of listed all these things that he'd noticed. You know, we'd, we'd walked out of a movie premiere that wasn't quite rated yet. And Heather and I had gone and it was not PG or PG-13 or in the ballpark. And so we walked out, but never, never said anything until that moment. And and then he kind of asked us about that. He asked, my dad used to call me every morning and, and sing me the Cougar Fight song. <laughs> and it was like, you know, that, that probably didn't happen on maybe some of his other staffs. But he kind of asked us about all of these different parts of that he kind of observed at that time. I think that was my first clue that, that you're being watched and observed, whether you talk about it or not. And Heather had served a full-time mission. It was really comfortable talking about our faith and, and was able to kind of tell him why this was important, why it mattered. And there were things that, that like stories that he knew about his family. And then, I mean, this woman that helped us had found articles that he's like, I knew this happened, but there's the article. It was really sweet. It was really sweet. And it was a, it was a, it was a great, a unique gift, right? For, yeah. for him. So yeah. If anybody's looking for gift ideas. <laughs> so then the two of you meet yeah. because Leanne's brothers met Mark. Yes. My tell older me- brother, my older brother met Mark. I just cut you off more. No, you're fine. Um, my Mark, Dame, my older brother Damon. I'm an only girl, and so it, they took things into their own hands. And Damon met Mark at a at a pro camp. Came back, met me in San Francisco after this. And he's like, I just met the male version of you. He's you, but he's a dude. He's you, but he's a dude. And he also said he is the coolest human being I've ever met. Didn't he, he say yeah, that? Totally, yeah, totally, totally, hundred percent. Yeah, and then which is accurate. No, and then not, he gave Mark. And, and actually, my brother Liar. played it perfectly because he gave Mark my phone number and said, Hey, when you go to New York, you should call my sister. She'll hook you up with, you know, she can take you on a tour of the show or whatever. And then, but he told me that you were going to call and ask me to dinner. Best thing you ever did. Yeah. You did. So how was your approach? Like, how did you ask? Oh, it was really lacking. So if we could cut right to the chase. So a bunch of stuff goes on and we finally get Leanne coming to Indianapolis. The first time we're ever going to meet in person. So me being the stylish person that I am. Yes. Finished working out. I had a couple hours. I'm like, I got to go buy a shirt. And I can't tell you how challenging it is for me to shop because I have no, I have no style color coordination whatsoever. So I ended up showing up in a beautiful blue mock turtleneck with brown corduroy, you, like killer slacks. You had a lot slacks. of colors on. Yes. But I was only looking at your eyes, so it was totally yeah. fine. <laughs> and it was magic. It was love at first sight right we, we actually, when we, when Mark and I were set up, we talked on the phone 
and emailed each other for six weeks. Six, yep. six weeks. We never saw each other. So when I went to Indianapolis, I was actually there on business for Dave. Was the first time that we met. Okay. So this was like a. I mean, we would write each other emails. Literally, we have all the emails. Yeah. Every single day. It's like yeah. you've got mail. It, it is. It, it is a little bit. But a little bit better. <laughs> Because Mark is a good writer. He's a really good yeah. writer. He's awesome. Yeah. So first impression when you see each other in person, you're like, she's a babe. I was too nervous to look at her. I oh. kid you not. We were both kind of that way. I was too nervous to look at her. Because I first already knew all, he was like, he was like, I'd never met anyone like him. I mean, I already was kind of a smitten. train wreck of a first date because my brother and his wife have just flown in and they're going to a conference in Indianapolis and they need me to take care of their newborn baby. So... I'm in my totally uncool pickup truck with a baby in the back when I pull up to Leanne's hotel to pick no. her up, wearing brown corduroy jeans and a blue mock turtleneck. And black shoes. And black shoes. And I think a brown belt. It's but like, a big time haircut. And yeah. so Leanne jumps into the car and I kind of caught a glimpse of her, but I've got hands on 10 and 2 looking straight ahead. And we're way behind. I actually had to take my niece and drop her off at some stranger's house to babysit so we can go on this date. And, so, then, and then we pull into the gas station. No, no. So we drop off the baby. I'm in a full sweat because we're late for, where are we going to? Uh, we were going to the community theater. We uh, for, So here she is coming from New York City and I'm like, I'm going to take her to a Christmas spectacular in Indianapolis, Indiana. It was great. It was great. a total colossal but he deal. Did, he, my mom loves to tell this part of the story. Yes. So she, he pulls into the gas station. So we've just dropped off. We've missed dinner. His niece. Totally missed dinner. And we're at the gas station. He's like, hey, go in and get whatever you want. You just, just <laughs> go crazy. Out. <laughs> like, Twinkies, Twizzlers. It was crazy. So then literally, I kid you not, this is the truth. We're in the gas station. Okay. Leanne is in there at the like the little the little deli that has like two four-day-old sandwiches <laughs> left over. She's trying to decide which one she's going to eat for dinner. And so I, I finished p- putting gas in the car and I sneak around. And I Then I take my first real glimpse at her from like hiding behind the grocery counter. And uh, mind you, we've been exchanging phone calls and emails for like three so, months. Uh, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, no, no, like like, like eight weeks. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, genuinely, yeah. I, was, I was madly in love with her already. And then, lo and behold, she's the most beautiful woman <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, yes! <laughs> It was fun. And then, it, and then, and then I and got then nervous because I'm like, she's not going to talk to me after this t- debacle that we're going through tonight. And I knew at the time that I'd be coming to Indianapolis once a month for the next little while. Oh, that's I convenient. did not tell Mark that nope. until the second date of that weekend. And then I said, I'm actually coming back. Because the second date is when I really brought the thunder. <laughs> well, I have to tell you that on my mission, we had like a little bit of a contest when we'd go over to people's houses for dinner. We'd ask them how they met, and then they'd tell us that story. And then we'd ask them how they proposed. And we had a, a bit of a contest, you know, to so, see who had the best story. Oh, so you would come back and like tell each other like what the different families. Uh-huh. Okay. And it was the, the oh, judges nice. were the missionaries. Yes. Uh-huh. And then we'd tell the people when we thought they had a really great story. <laughs> But um, we're like, we're like, as it turns out, you're in contention. <laughs> but I feel like your story could be in contention. So we were lucky. We were lucky. And you know what? Also, on a serious note, you can't put Heavenly Father in a box. You yeah. know, I mean, I was in New York City. He was in Indianapolis. There's no way. I mean, that that doesn't organically happen, right? Yeah. And I remember being in New York City and dating. And you're just kind of like, hey, so this is it, right? Yeah. And then my guy was in Indianapolis, yeah. and it kind of happened. And and we you know, we never lived in the same city. We flew back and forth for a year, and it got to be almost every weekend. 
I was 27. Um, I was in Indianapolis. We had a singles one in Indianapolis with like 14 people in it. And it was just a really, it was just a, it was, it was a, just a small membership community. Right. And then like from the heavens drops the yeah. animal. It was amazing. It was amazing. But that's really true. Like this idea. And we had both gone through an experience recently, uh, just before we met where we had both kind of renewed our individually on our own, renewed our commitments to our faith. Right. And then it was, it was quickly rewarded, which is just miraculous. It doesn't yeah. always happen that way, but for, for us, it did. Yeah. You know, I, I, I shared that story with you before Morgan yeah. that I was kind of dating somebody and I just had this really simple, which those kind of special moments sometimes are really simple in a Manhattan chapel that I just, I was trying to make this relationship work. We weren't of the same faith, but gosh, there were so many parts that seemed like they fit. And, and I just had this moment of like, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing, Liam Pope. And just a few short months later, I, I met Mark. It doesn't always work out that way, but it did for me. And in my story, it was like, I had this moment that I'm like, this is who I am. I am all in. And then, you know, lucky enough, Mark was, was right around the corner. And he had a similar experience that when we, you know, that was later on down the road that we shared that with one another. But we both had kind of had these experiences like, you know what, no matter what, like this is, we're, we're with our faith and our commitment. I mean, Mark was so involved in that branch. And I was so involved in, in, in what I was doing there in New York City with the really cool single adult community. And yeah. I love that idea of not putting God in a box. I think you're speaking to my soul. I need to hear that message. So thank you for that. Well, Um, listen, if I could expand on that, one of the things that's hard, like I think one of the things that's hard living in this community where you have so, where you have such a cultural pull towards certain ideals is that we start to tend to think that there's a pattern, that there's like a checklist of the things that we're supposed to do and when we're supposed to do them. And, and certainly there's something to that, but, but it, like if, if you get too engaged in like this checklist of exactly how your life is supposed to go or what you're supposed to achieve or when you're supposed to do it or when you're supposed to do certain things, then where is the room for Heavenly Father to work miracles in your life? I really deeply, genuinely believe that, right? And 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 so, you know, th- that that faith component about, about really believing that, you know, that Heavenly Father is paying attention to what you're experiencing right now. He understands what you're experiencing and that, hey, all of us, thank goodness we all get to walk different paths, right? And um, sometimes that's hard, I think, in this in this environment where you, where you have a, a strong concentration of, of of members of the church that you kind of fall into patterns that I, I'm not sure is necessarily exactly where we're supposed to be. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, you all have lived all over the place together. I think you said at women's conference that you've had a you had a child like every yeah, place every, that every you team lived. that Mark played on. We yep. Ella was born in New York. I mean, at Milwaukee Buck. Avery was born in New York. Nick. Layla was born at Denver Nugget. I was acquired as an Indiana Pacer. <laughs> Mark will always be a Kentucky Wildcat. <laughs> yep. when, when that's the case, what does the gospel mean as you kind of move around? And what kind of foundation does that give your family? It is the foundation. You know, every place we've moved, there's just a soft place to fall yeah. when you have a ward. And and with all the stress of the moves and, and you know, oftentimes Mark just takes the job and he's gone. Like when he signs with the team, he's gone. And I am, you know, then I'm packing, selling the house, whatever. That's just how it works in this world. And I just like everything will be okay when the movers are gone and we get to walk into that ward. 
And it's happened over and over again without fail that we get to walk into a ward and it's the soft place to fall. And you have 10 ladies come up to you to tell you the best preschool, the best doctor, this is where you need to go, come over for dinner. And those ladies throughout that path have have saved me. And and then also in a really, really truly, we have this basketball family. So each place that we landed, we got to, we had this wonderful ward family that embraced us and loved us. And you know, Mark travels a lot. And so that love and compassion really just encircled me and our girls. And then we had this great basketball family. So I don't know how you do it if you don't have of have that. I, I I don't know how I would do it because it really was an exhale moment when I got to go in and sit in the sit in sacrament meeting, and be like, we're here. We made it. And then and then those those ladies that were further down the path, they're a little older than me, older than me, or the ladies that I aligned with our children, they have raised me. Yeah. And I am so grateful. I mean, the women of the church are extraordinary. And so when you say, how do you move? That's how you do it. And then, and then I think on top of that too, is the principles of the gospel too, are so powerful as a compass because, you know, for us, all the constant move and all the constant change and the pressure and the stress and everything you're going through as a young family, as newlyweds, and then as where we are now, it, it constantly can be this disorienting force where you every day you wake up and you're in a new place doing a new thing. And, and, and that disorienting fe- feeling can sometimes it can get you sideways and get you to places where you don't want to go. And so having this compass of the gospel and having the standards of the gospel that even though everything else in your life may have turned upside down in one day and then happen again a year later, everything's changed and everything's turned upside down. You still have this these guiding principles of the gospel, right? And, uh, you know, I, I was playing for the, in the standard that you live by, that you know is true, right? And you can always go back to that no matter how weird things get. I was playing for the Denver Nuggets and I was, uh, Carmelo Anthony was a rookie and I had a great young roster. It was kind of all colorful, you know, all, all like a colorful group of guys and their attitudes and approaches to life. And we all kind of shared some things so much in common. And then we all kind of made some wildly different life decisions. So these guys knew that I, I love Heavenly Father so much that I'm incredibly faithful, that my faith is really important to me, that I live by real standards. And they knew that like the Savior, like that I felt like I had personal claim, like we all do on the Savior, right? And so it was at this time we're in the locker room and the passion, the passion, I think it's the passion had come out with Jim Caviezel, who actually played with his brother at Washington. Anyway, so, and it's this, this, it's a, a motion picture in all theaters about the savior, about his life. And so Carmelo came back, came in the locker room one morning. He's like, Pope, I went to the passion last night, but there's, there's a bunch of things I don't understand. So you got to tell me this, this, and this. And so a couple of the guys had gathered around and, and I'm like, Oh, I haven't seen it. And so Melo's like, well, when you go see it, you have to explain this stuff to me. And so I was like, well, I'm actually not going to see it. It's rated R. And I can't, I'm just, I don't actually, I don't go see rated R movies. And in that moment, Carmelo and a couple of teammates, their minds exploded. <laughs> They're like, you talk about the savior more than anybody else we know. And you're not going to the movie. How is this possible? But, but, but it was just, it's like, it's this idea of like, hey, we have standards that, when everything else gets disoriented, if you just kind of hold fast to those, then it can kind of keep you grounded and keep you safe. Just like Leanne talked about, about 
knowing that you're going to move into a ward that's going to be familiar and kind of bring you back to where you are. It's a beautiful gift. This gospel, I'm, I kid you not, it's the best thing going. I don't know if that's exactly the reverent way to say it, but it's really true. <laughs> yeah. And when you're fully in, yes. if you're all in, it makes decisions clear, not easy, but it makes them really clear. Yeah. When you're And change in the gospel were probably the most constant parts of our life the first yeah. 15 years, right? Change and, and the gospel. I mean— one thing that I loved when you talked at Women's Conference, Leanne, you had this and we quoted it in the intro, but you you said the greatest moments will be moments when you went all in. Mm-hmm. And I want to kind of talk about this. Obviously, this is like the whole idea behind this podcast is this idea of what does it mean to be all in? And we were really deliberate when we chose the question that we ask at the end of each episode because we didn't feel like there was one way to be all in, that being all in may look different to different people, but that it's a blessing to choose to be all in in whatever way that looks like for you. And so I'm curious for you guys, I have just a couple questions as we wrap up about this idea. First of all, what has your involvement, both of you, in sports and in the sports world taught you about being all in, buying in completely? Um, I, I think that I think that when you're all in, it's a it's a, it's a guaranteed success because even your worst failures turn out to be these incredible moments, right? Mm-hmm. The the key for me is and I talk to my players about this all the time. We talk about it as a team all the time is that when you're willing to fully invest, hold nothing back, um, that win, lose, or draw, the real, the real victory is in the experience. Like your, your experience and the meaning it's going to have in your life is completely dependent on how much you invest in that experience, right? And so the guys that kind of come to the game, for me, the game of basketball, the guys that come to the game and they withhold, they hold on to their own agendas. They don't sacrifice everything for their team. They have their own vision of what they're supposed to do. They don't work as hard as they can. They don't bring it every single day. Those guys don't get as much out of the game. The game doesn't mean as much to them. They don't get a chance for this game to teach them everything it can. The guys that kind of turn their whole being over to the game and the team, they come every day and they work hard to be mentally prepared to go compete as hard as they can. They work hard on finding how they can grow bonds with their teammates every single day. They put everything they have into this experience. Those are the guys that win, lose, or draw. They, they learn something about themselves. I talk about this all the time. The day that Larry Bird brought me into his office and fired me was one of the most I was devastated and I was, I was embarrassed and, and it made me feel like I I was like a lot of things I'd worked for my whole life were just down the drain. It was such an awful moment. Right. And then looking back, I'm like, it's one of the moments I treasure most of my life. I'm crying in front of Larry Bird. And then I walk out of the locker room and there's Reggie Miller, Mark Jackson, and tears are streaming out of my face. And how embarrassing is that as I'm a bad player in that league and I just got fired by my all-time hero, right? But the thing is, is that goes away really quick. And then you're like, you know what? I put everything I had into that. Like I, I dedicated everything I had to that. And obviously the correlations to the gospel are so clear. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something we talk about, about being all in is if you'll go all in, then the richness of the reward and the richness of the growth that you get to experience is really, it's really incredible. I think that translates 100% to your, our testimonies 
and and to relate the relationships in our in our life. I mean, we fought for the opportunity to come here and have this earthly experience. And I just like, what's the point if you're not going to give it everything? And I think what you said to, to, when you asked the question, Morgan, it's different for everyone, and it is personal. And we are all at different places in our lives, different circumstances. But I, I, I do believe that that what that means to you, I think, is an easy question because it, it's it's between you and your heavenly yeah. Father. It's not for me to tell you what all in looks like. It's for, but I know what that is for me, and I know that at different times in my life. It's looked really different. I mean, when I had little toddlers, my all-in was very different. And of course, I didn't have this perspective at the time. But when I look back, you're like, I did my best then, and what and, and how I served, and 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 my marriage, and is different than having four teenagers, and and the freedoms that I have, and I have I have a little more choice with time in some ways. Things that you know, sometimes making it to the temple is really hard when you have mm-hmm. little babies. That's not a struggle I have now. So that all in is going to be different at different times in our lives. I think we need to be forgiving and soft with ourselves. But but I think it's a really personal decision. And I think what Mark just so eloquently said translates beautifully to our relationships, our, our testimonies, how we serve, our, our talents, and how we develop those. And, and if you give it everything you've got, yeah. then when you walk away, it's, it's an experience. And it's sometimes painful. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I taught you, like, you can give all your, you're all on a mission, but it ends and that's hard. And my, our oldest is leaving for college in a week and I've given her, you know, that is my girl and she, it is brutal, but I would have it no other way. I, I mean, I've given everything I got, it's, it's all in the court and she's, she's ready to take this next step and it's how it's supposed to be, but it doesn't make it easy. It's. Stinks, yeah. And all in, all, in ha- all in has nothing to do with perfection. It has nothing to do. It has to do with trying as hard as you can. Yeah. Like trying as hard as you can. And not holding anything back. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know what? Sometimes in a relationship, you know, you're dating somebody and there's the point where like, you're both like, we're, we're in, like, we're dating. We're all, you know, there's that, you know, that feeling you're kind of holding something back. And then there's the point where you jump in with both feet, like, we're going to give this a go. I on never whatever get level. to that point, but <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's a delightful oh. spot to be in. No, I'm just kidding. You're going to get there. And when you get there, it's going to be terrifying and like the greatest thing in the world. But it there's just a point where you kind of like, here we go. Like, we're going to give this a go. Or when you define what it is, I don't know. That just popped in my brain. Yeah, no, it's no, a no. little bit of a feeling of like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And that's like, you know what? Let's. Well, I think it's that space of vulnerability. Yes. Right? Yes. Well said, Brene yes. Brown. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Brene. Yeah. It's a great what a ever. woman. But that's the, that's the idea of like being all in also requires faith. Like it is like the way we think about it, it is quintessentially a, a leap of faith to say, you know what? I can't guarantee this is going to work out, but I'm not going to keep a backup plan. I'm not going to like measure my steps. You know, we talk about, I mean, we, we, I love Peter. We love Peter in our family. We love him so much. And Peter, like Peter, Peter is such an incredible example in the scriptures of trying to be all in and everything he does, right? Mm-hmm. When he sees the savior walking across the water, he doesn't sit in the boat and kind of take it on. He's like, let me, can I come try? Will you let me come try? Let me jump in and try, right? When, when the savior. And, and then when he falls in. Yeah. He, he does. He doesn't try to say. He asks a hundred percent because he's all he's all in with the Savior. When when you know when when the Savior is washing the the, the apostles' feet and he gets to Peter and, he, and it gets to Peter and Peter says, "No, you're not going to. You're not washing my feet. Like 
you're my master. I should be serving you, essentially, is what I read the scriptures as him saying. The Savior tells him, well, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you're, then you're not with me, right? And so Peter immediately, on a dime, jumps on. And he says, well, then don't just wash my feet. Wash my face and my head and my hands and wash everything because I want to be in. Like, I want to be all in. Right. And he's got like, there's like five other examples where he kind of is like, he messes up or it doesn't go exactly like he wants it to. But then he just reroutes immediately when he learns and says, I want to be all in. And I think that's what all it is. I mean, I don't think we have to look much farther than Peter to kind of get, see a great example of, right. of being all in. And it has nothing to do with him living nothing, a perfect right. life at nothing all. Perfect. It's just, yeah. it's just trying. Yeah. Well, I want to give you both an opportunity as we wrap up to answer this question. For you personally, if you had to sum it all up, what does it mean to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ? I, I think I think where when, when I think about it, where I'm at right now, you know, I talked I talked to our girls a lot about like choosing. I mean, this is just I, I'm this is just also my daughter's at EFY right now, and I just talked to her about being like like what you're going to get out of this, what you put into it, right? Mm-hmm. So give it all you've got. And remember the kids there that maybe aren't coming with a buddy and and talking about kind of what you put into it. And Heavenly Father, let Heavenly Father work some magic. Like give Him the opportunity, right, in being open. And I think about choosing to believe. You know, I, I, I think that being all in, for me, I say that to the girls. Like we've had so many tender mercies in our life recently, and I say, I choose to believe. Mm. That's my choice, and fully that that he that and I and I believe that 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 he is in the details of our lives and and knows the things that are hard for us and knows the things that we're struggling with. So I think all in right now is 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 choosing to believe and recognize wholeheartedly. His hand in, in my life, and and I think about that as again, like I, I have one that's getting ready to leave for school, and you're kind of trying to shove all this stuff into him that, that just so <laughs> just in case. And we talk a lot about that, you know, and, and recognizing that you're never, you are never alone, and that He knows, and He He's there for you, and He will answer you, and and just 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 the right time. So I think that's I think that's what. I feel right now about being all in. That's that's beautiful about this idea of choosing to believe all these times when we see Heavenly Father's hand in our life and we can really make a conscious choice about like, ah, I'm going to shake it off as something else or we're going to choose to believe in Him. I think that's a great way of being all in. I think about being all in is, first of all, I think in terms of the gospel, I'm a complete failure at being all in, but I try repeatedly to be all in, right? And I think that's I think in a sense that is being all in. I think about being all in is, you know, we had an experience six months ago maybe where we were, we were at a time in our life where we had just kind of barely felt like we were just getting our head above water where we could barely breathe for the first time. And all of us, I think all of us feel that way. Everybody's busy and everybody's like we're in, 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 in any type of different way. And so we genuinely like it just feel like we were just wrapping our hands around a couple of things that we kind of, had figured out the way to work time and and make everything just kind of fit if we were perfectly accountable to everything we did time-wise. And then we were extended a a really, really challenging calling. We actually showed up to the state president's office thinking it was totally something different. And I remember the feeling when the calling was extended was, like, I think my face went pale. And and I just remember feeling like, we cannot add 
one more thing into what we're trying to do right now. And this is, I think this is a feeling that a lot of us have had that are that are trying to trying to find a way to be faithful members of the church. And then you just kind of close your eyes and you're like, yep, we're in. We're gonna do it. In this moment for us in our small lives, we 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 got some really great words and some great counsel from our stake president and his counselors. And then the blessings that have fallen down on us since then have been immense and the time has somehow found a way to work. But in that moment, you're like, Hey, I have no idea how this could work, but we're going to try and let's go. And I think we're so lucky in this gospel because we have moments like that over and over and over again. I got to give a talk in sacrament. I have no idea how this is going to work, how it's going to function. I got to go do my ministering and we got to see if we can build relationships and see if we can kind of love people. And, and all those all those little things are little moments of faith where I think it gives us a chance to try and be all in. I think that that is so spot on. And I, I love it because you talked about Peter and in Come Follow Me reading about Peter, I kept thinking, you know, Peter is probably like the most relatable person in the scriptures mm. because yes. he's just Amen. tried, yes. you know, kept trying. Yeah. Kept and trying. like failed sometimes, but other times he like succeeded brilliantly. And he's the reason that we have the church as we have it, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And so we owe Peter a lot of gratitude and I'm sure with us, it's like generations later, if we just try, they'll feel like, you know, they owe us something, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and you two are just such a delight. Thank you so, so much for being with us, for sharing your testimonies and your experiences. It's been so wonderful to talk to you. Thanks, Morgan. Thanks for having us. A huge thank you to Mark and Leanne Pope for joining us on this week's episode of All In. I hope you love this episode as much as I did. We'll be back again next week with another episode. But in the meantime, I hope that All In keeps you company on your summer road trips and gives you something to talk about at neighborhood barbecues and with friends. If you haven't already, please give us a rating or a review on iTunes and don't forget to subscribe. Thanks so much for listening.